Um, all right, let me tell you about uh, American uh, financing. American financing home values are up uh, almost 20%. Sales now are down 16%. So that means the prices are going to start coming down. Before that happens, please, if, if you have high debt, uh, high interest credit cards, please access that equity as cash and take that credit card, pay it off, not at 19% interest, but 5% interest. Please, American Financing can look at your whole situation. If you're trying to save money, and you should be, call American Financing now, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, or AmericanFinancing.net. All right, program begins in just a minute. you want but if nobody enforces them what good is it you can have all the cops you want but if they don't respond what are you gonna do it's not the gun it's the person and quite honestly the people that are are put in charge of enforcing the law the door at the school Apparently, back door open. Wasn't supposed to be. Kids out there for 12 minutes with a rifle. 12 minutes. Before he goes into the school, nobody stops him. How is that possible? Then, the cops don't go in. Well, I have a few questions for the police officers. We don't have all of the details, and I don't want to throw them under the bus but it's not looking good for them. But more importantly, I have a few questions for the federal agents that were on the scene in damn near full tactical gear. Telling you, we don't trust our system anymore and you're trying to disarm us? No way, no way. Because if somebody comes into my kid's school, I carry a gun. And I am proficient. In fact, I'm pretty damn good with a gun. If this happens in my school and the police now are reflecting the same kind of attitude in Uvalde, I'm going in with a gun. And I don't think I'm alone. 
back in 60 seconds as we begin. First, relief factor. The value of a dollar. What is the value of a dollar? Well, honestly, probably about 65 cents right now. Value of 20 bucks, about 15. But it is invaluable if you spend that 20 bucks right now on Relief Factor if you're in pain and just can't get out of it. ReliefFactor.com. It is, it's an amazing thing. And they tell you up front, this is what I like about it. They, they tell you up front. It works for about 70% of the people. That's the number of people that go on uh, month after month uh, and they keep using it, about 70%. They ask you to do a three-week quick trial. If, if it doesn't work for you within three weeks, it probably is not going to work. What do you have to lose? You have everything to gain. Get your life back. Get out of pain with relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com or 800, the number four. Relief, 800, the number four. Relief, relief factor. Feel the difference. Okay. First story. Two days after 19 children, two teachers were killed in fourth grade Texas classroom. There's growing scrutiny of the police response and whether authorities could have intervened earlier. Regional director with the Texas Department of Public Safety, Victor Escalon Jr. said at a news conference Thursday, the shooter was not confronted by anyone as he entered the elementary school in Uvalde, contradicting earlier reports. He said officers res- uh, arrived on the scene four minutes after the shooter entered the building and that the gunman was killed approximately an hour after arriving at the campus. Now, remember, this kid didn't just show up at the school. This kid ran his truck into a ditch, started firing at a funeral home and people who were attending a funeral. He missed them. Then he walks to the school and he's in front of the school for 12 minutes. Now, Did anyone at the funeral home or at the funeral, did anyone call the police? A neighbor now says he heard shots across the street from the school. He looks out and he sees the gunman for 12 minutes. Did he call 911? We don't know these answers, but we damn well better find them. People are starting to get very angry, and they have been angry for a while. Um, They were angry as the police sat there and did nothing for about an hour. Now, here's the thing. According to um, uh, Rose Gomez, she heard about the school and the shooting, and that's where her children are. In second and third grade, she heard about it. She drove 40 miles to rob elementary school. When she arrived, she said the cops were just standing outside the fence. They weren't going in or running anywhere. Now, she said officers inside the school were evacuating school students and the employees, uh, as well as calling for backup. There was a lot going on. But nobody was going in to get the guy. Department of uh, Safety officials previously said an armed school uh, officer confronted, but we now know that's not true. 
Caitlin Martinez, a fourth grade uh, fourth grader at Robb Elementary, was playing with other kids during recess when he first appeared on school grounds with an AR-15 style rifle. We all ran in and they told us to sit down and they turned off the lights and locked the door. Okay, so now fourth graders are running in and saying there's a kid on the playground with a gun. So what do they do? They don't leave the school. They hunker down. Okay, all right. Was there anybody at the school with a gun? Was there any police officer, any safety officer with a gun? Caitlin said three police officers eventually came to the door of her room, which was near the end, uh, which is near the end one in where Ramos locked himself in. They told us there was a gunman, so we had to evacuate and we had to run to the parking spaces. Outside, she found her mother. Ms. Gomez, a farm supervisor, was also waiting outside for her children. She said she was one of the numerous parents who began encouraging, first politely and then with a little more urgency, police and other law enforcement to enter the school sooner. After minutes, she said, U.S. Marshals put her in handcuffs and telling her that she was being arrested for intervening in an active investigation. Ms. Gomez said she then convinced a local Uvalde police officer whom she knew to persuade the marshals to set her free. Spokesman for the U.S. Marshals Service said, we never put anybody in handcuffs. Okay, so now mom's a liar too? Our deputy marshals just maintained order and peace in the midst of grief-stricken community that was gathering around the school, he said, quote. Ms. Gomez described the scene... Like this, she said she saw a father tackled and thrown to the ground by police and a third father pepper sprayed. Once freed from her cuffs, now listen to this, once freed from her cuffs, Ms. Gomez made her distance from the crowd, jumped the school fence, ran inside, grabbed her two children and sprinted out to the school with them. Okay, so the police can't do that, but a mom did. I don't know if you have seen the video, but the video is out of control. We've never seen this before I, that I remember at a school shooting where the parents are like, go in. What are you doing? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play some audio and then I want to describe and show some pictures here of the scene. First... Here's the police lieutenant on why the cops didn't go in. Listen. Cut four. There was multiple officers that arrived on scene. There was three officers that arrived that made entry um, at one of the entrances where the gunman actually made entrance to. We had other another four officers that made uh, entry at the other entrance of the school. So there was officers inside that school. As they were taking gunfire, they were also calling in for reinforcement, uh, backup, tactical teams, uh, snipers, any additional personnel that could arrive to assist to not only with to with the situation but also to assist in evacuating uh, students and teachers at that time 
That's when a U.S. Border Patrol a tactical officer arrived, also with a Zavala County Sheriff's deputy, as well as two additional uh, Uvalde Police Department officers were able to go into that classroom uh, with a ballistic shield as cover. And of course, we know that one of those officers, an agent actually, was uh, was shot, uh, was grazed at the top of the head, but they were able to shoot and kill the suspect. But don't current the best practices, Lieutenant, call for officers to disable a shooter as quickly as possible, regardless of how many officers are actually on site. Correct. The active shooter situation, you want to stop the killing, you want to preserve life. But also, one thing that, of course, the American people need to understand is that officers are making entry into this building. Uh, they do not know where the gunman is. Uh, they are hearing gunshots. They are, they are receiving gunshots. At that point, if they, if they proceeded any further, not knowing where this suspect was at, um, they could have been shot. They could have been killed. And at that point, that gunman would have the opportunity to kill other people inside that school. So they were able to contain that gunman inside that classroom uh, so that he was not able to go to any other portions of the school to commit any other killings. Yeah, but you knew where he was in the classroom. You knew where he was. So the first guy's in where they don't know who the gunman is or where he is. Okay, I buy into that. But he was in the classroom and he had killed everybody. I don't know. Break down the door. You know where he is. Now, here's the Texas DPS official again. Not giving details on why they didn't break down the door. Listen, you guys have said that he was barricaded. Can you explain to us how he was barricaded and why you guys cannot breach that door? So I have taken all your questions into consideration. We will be doing updates. We will be doing updates to answer those questions. You answer that question now, sir. What is your name? Shimon Prokopes from Shimon. CNN. I hear you. Because we've been given a lot of bad information. So why don't you clear all of this up now and explain to us how it is that your officers who are in there for an hour, yes, rescuing people, but yet no one was able to get inside that room. Shimon, we will, we will circle back with you. We want to answer all your questions. We want to give you the why. We'll that, that's, circle that's back. That's our job. So give us time. I'm taking all your questions. I'm taking them back to talk to the team. Can you and, tell us uh, how the door was barricaded? Look, thank you for being here. Okay. Have a we'll talk. <laughs> Here's the problem. Here is the problem. It is much greater than just this shooting. And we are on the precipice of chaos in this country. Total chaos. Here's why. I hate to be the one to break the news on this news to you, but here it is from buffalonews.com. Law enforcement officers are investigating whether a retired federal agent had 30 minutes advance notice of a white supremacist plan to murder black people at a Buffalo supermarket. Two law enforcement officials have briefed the Buffalo News. Authorities believe the former agent, believed to be from Texas, was one of at least six individuals who regularly communicated with an accused gunman, Peyton Gendron, in an online chat room where racist hatred was discussed. The two law enforcement sources with direct knowledge of the investigation stated these individuals were invited by Gendron to read about his mass shooting plans and the target location 30 minutes before the gunman arrived on the scene. 
The FBI has verified uh, that none of the people that were on this chat room with him 30 minutes prior, none of them called law enforcement to warn about the shooting. Okay. All right. So who's this agent? What was this agent doing? Please, dear God, don't tell me he was an undercover agent. Uh, why was he on? Um, if he and the other six people on the phone, they are accessory to murder and they should be charged like that. But I'm telling you right now, let me show you a picture. I'll describe it if you're just listening to us on radio. Let me show you the pictures here. Now, that man is a U.S. Marshal. This is in Uvalde. He is almost fully loaded with tactical gear. He's wearing a helmet. He's got a vest on. Look at the gear that he has, including high-powered weapons. Uh, show me some, uh, one other picture. This one, you see uh, what is probably a fully automatic uh, weapon in the hands of this uh, uh, federal marshal. He is standing outside with the parents with a yellow plastic taser in his hand, getting ready to tase the parents. Why the hell did my tax dollars go to pay your salary, buy all of that tactical gear, all of your training, your body armor, and you're tasing the parents? When the average person doesn't have faith in anything, we arrive to the moment of the Bubba effect. Don't know what that is? I'll remind you in 60 seconds. Babysitting, bike repair, lemonade stands, uh, lawn mowing services. These are the few, the few of the businesses that kids have already started, and they did it after reading the Tuttle Twins and their spectacular show business. We are not teaching our kids how to do business. We're not teaching our kids how to survive, especially in a free market system. Who cares if my kid uh, you know, starts a business? Well, you should care. You should care because they're going to be the ones that are taking care of the country after we're gone. They're the ones that in a very short order are going to have to go out and make a living. And there is a real gap between the magical world where mommy and daddy and their teachers do everything for them and the real world. When they have to take care of themselves, every house should have this uh, this book. That's why they're making it for free right now. All you pay for is shipping. It's the Tuttle Twins and their spectacular show business. It teaches your kids all about business. It teaches your kids the stuff that my kids are learning now in high school. Barely. It's a great book. Very entertaining. And your kid kids will love it. The Tuttle Twins and their spectacular show business, it's free. Right now, just pay for shipping while supplies last. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. That's TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Go there now. 10 seconds, station ID.
a fascinating thing to watch this develop because it really started as the heroes of, of the police and the border patrol that did all these amazing things. And that has switched. The narrative has switched quickly. I, I think you're right, though, to be a little hesitant to make sure we understand what we the facts to. are. You know, there's no reason we don't need to solve this today. What we need to do is get the right information and then make a judgment on it. You know, I don't. I'm just so tired. It's hard to understand. Though. Everybody yeah. jumping to conclusions. I'm tired of everyone giving me bogus, bogus information because it will help their political side. Great. I can't hang on. Just mm-hmm. one more thing. Mm-hmm. The story that has affected me the most in all of these is the fact that the teacher who died with her students, her husband died, and they left behind four children. He died of a heart attack after. You know what he was doing a month ago? Immeasurable. A month ago, he was going through a live shooter training at the school. I mean... Those poor kids. Can we stop all the political nonsense? Do you know what it's going to be like for any of those kids to walk into that school again next year? You know, we good example of waiting for the facts is one of the arguments the conservatives have made is, you know, harden these targets, make sure there's security there. Yes. And so the initial reporting was there, there was, was security there. They they exchanged gunfire, could Correct. not stop this guy. He still got in. So the left, lie. the left went nuts mm-hmm. and they said, hey, this proves your argument about security is not true. It doesn't even work. And now we find out that actually that that exchange of gunfire did not occur. There was no officer there. So they went out on a limb immediately to try to take advantage of this shooting with politics and now are totally burned by that because their narrative has it was dumb anyway but now we know the facts don't even support it so it is important to make sure that we understand what occurred before we we don't need our narrative to be cemented today no and i you know what i am i'm willing to give the cops the benefit of the doubt i want to see all of the facts but you know what really pisses me off is you had federal marshals there with sniper rifles, most likely fully automatic. What the hell were they doing? What were they doing besides tasing and cuffing parents, pepper spraying parents? It's despicable. The Glenn Back Program. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Okay, if, if you want to make home improvements to your home, maybe finish the basement, renovate the kitchen, finish up the few projects that you weren't able to get to during the pandemic, whatever it is you might need or want to do, may I remind you that those kinds of projects can be done affordably with a little help from your home, by which I mean the equity that you have gained in it. Because right now, most homeowners have seen gains of 20% year over year. That equity can be accessed as cash through a mortgage refi. It's an easy process. I urge you, please don't spend it on frivolous stuff. Spend it on something that will actually help the value of your house in case you need to sell it. Or take that, uh, that money and pay off your high-interest credit card bills. Please. Prepare yourself for what's coming. American Financing, 800-906-2440. 
American Financing, 800-906-2440, or go to AmericanFinancing.net. Do it now, AmericanFinancing.net. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn is the place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. Do it now and use the promo code Glenn to save 10 bucks. I want to be very, very careful um, because I don't want to have to apologize for anything. Um, And that's what we all should be thinking. Let's not say things that we don't know to be true or take positions on things we're not sure. We do not have all of the facts. And I'm not going to throw the police uh, under the bus. I am going to question the uh, federal marshals that were there where the hell were you what were you doing i am going to question them i think we have enough information there you're wearing tactical gear why the hell isn't your ass inside but the police i don't know and it's not looking good for them but let's not uh take sides on things and do what the left does before we know the truth yeah i the only thing, again, you try to construct any reason why they would do some of these I things. Can't. It's very difficult to yeah. understand. I mean, the only thing that I keep coming back to is the difference between, let's say, an active shooter situation and an inactive shooter situation. If you you know you think about every hostage movie you've ever seen, right, right, where a person maybe he's not actively shooting, he's holding them hostage, or maybe he's. You know, but you would horrible. hear that they would have said right. he was holding them hostage. We had contact right. with him. We were negotiating, et cetera, et cetera. Right. The, the, the right move might be in a situation where he's holding him hostage, for example, not to bust in because he might kill more people. Right. right. The other thought is, you know, as dark as this is to think about, potentially he had already done the killing in this room and was barricaded in this room. Right. And therefore... The thought from the police officers may have been, hey, let's evacuate all the other kids, get everybody else out of the rest of the school. Wouldn't have taken an hour. If you had him, if you thought that Mm -hmm. he was barricaded and killed everybody in that classroom, Mm -hmm. okay, which he did except for two, right? We do know, yeah, we do know that that was not accurate, at least, because there is a story and it's the worst story you're ever going to hear. I don't want to hear it at all, but just give me the details. Quickly, uh, it seems like the agent said, hey, if you need help. Uh, you know, let us know. And one of the kids who was hiding said, I need help. He heard them, came over and killed the kid. This is from another child oh who was gosh. in the room who witnessed the incident. Okay. All so right. again, so. like it's as dark as it can possibly be, but you can see, you can construct a scenario where they believe the most, the, the, the smartest thing to do because there wasn't ongoing active shooting going on was to try to protect everyone okay. else. So, but I mean, uh, I, that does, let's, let's just, it's, it, let me ask you this. You don't know. Uh, did this classroom have windows? If so, did anybody have eyes on the shooter or the classroom from the outside? If not, why? Second, he was locked in. Okay, is locked in. There's no shots being fired. Why wasn't at least one police officer positioned at the door? So if that door opened up, you shot the guy in the head. Okay. And then why did it take you an hour to get everybody out? If you know you guy, you have him locked in a room, why not go to every classroom and say, out, now, now, go, 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 go. 
Get everybody out. It doesn't take you an hour to do that. So something just doesn't look right on this. And it's most likely unbelievable incompetence. But I can't, you know what? I just, I can't take the lies anymore. I, I, I can't take the not trusting anyone anymore. Let me give you this. AOC. She came out with a statement yesterday. Young women are not doing this. Young non-binary people are not doing this. Trans people are not doing this. This is the issue we have. Young men are being radicalized right now. Really? Who's radicalizing them? Who is radicalizing them? I, I'm not the one that is turning every student in America into a protester. That would be you and the teachers unions. By the way, you also should check your facts. Yesterday, Colorado teenager pleaded guilty to multiple charges of murder. In the 2019 school shooting outside of Denver that left one student dead, eight injured. Alec McKinney, who was born biologically a female but identifies as a male, pleaded guilty to 16 counts, including first degree murder and attempted murder and conspiracy to commit first degree murder after deliberation. Please give it a rest, AOC. Now, the same people who are outraged by this in the Democratic Party, congressional Democrats, the Republicans, and the <laughs> yeah, uh, well, they were the same people that pushed a bill that would have banned federal funding for school police in 2020. You don't want to arm the teachers because the majority of Americans now say we should arm the, the teachers. Yeah, 54% either strongly or somewhat support the arming of teachers and staff to respond to a school shooting. Only 35% somewhat or strongly oppose. So don't tell me about our extremist out of step. Most people want guns taken away when actually that's not true. Common sense would be put police there. Lock all the doors. Arm the teachers. But you know who's against that? Oh, my gosh. You know, here and this is why this is why, you know, all the Democrats can be counted on uh, not going for this solution, putting guns in schools, even though the majority of people agree with it. You know why? Because the teachers unions. Yeah, the teachers unions. They don't think it should be done. They're against it. In fact, they're not just against it. They're hostile. Our public schools should be the safest places for students and educators. Yet the gunshots from a lone shooter armed with a military grade weapon shattered the physical safety of the school community in Uvalde, Texas. You know what also is a military grade weapon at the time? A flintlock. And then later, it was a cap and ball. And then later, it was the M16. All guns 
at the time are military grade. Why do you need that? It's a weapon of war. So was the flintlock. And by the way, no matter how they try to change the history of the uh, AR, um, it, it was a hunting rifle first. Oh, dear have a vessel. Time magazine has released an op-ed. Sometimes calls for America to return to God are couched in the language of consolation, especially after mass shootings. When 19 children uh, were killed in a school in Uvalde, Texas, Tuesday, a Republican from Colorado tweeted, it's times like these that we should as individuals, communities, and a nation turn to God for comfort and healing. Please, please, America, we are running out of time. Please turn back to God and beg for him to heal our land. Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia followed deflection. Our nation needs to take a serious look at the state of our mental health today. Don't you think we do? Don't you think we do? Because today... I could claim I'm a woman, do nothing else, just sit here with all the junk in my pants, but I'm wearing panties, and I could come on and say, hey, everybody, I identify as a woman. And if you make fun of me or even question me, you're the hater. You're the crazy one. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Mm-mm. I think we should look at our mental health today. There's a reason we always hear calls for Christian nationalism rather than for common sense gun legislation from the right. As we've shown in our research, guns are practically an element of worship in the church of white Christian nationalism. White Christian nationalism? You know who knows about gun rights better than anybody else? The Native American. Because what happens when the government took the Native American guns away? Oh, they took their land and destroyed them. That's right. Why is it that Martin Luther King couldn't get a, a carry permit to carry a gun? Why is it? Because the local sheriff said, you don't need that boy. We're here to protect you. Really? They did a bang-up job. Why is it the Klan made sure that no blacks could have any guns? That way they could terrorize them at night. Don't talk to me about how it's a white Christian nationalist idea. It is a nationalist idea, I guess, because we're the only nation that has a Second Amendment because it wasn't written for sports. It was written for a government that was out of control. You know, let me define out of control. One that is canceling everything to do with uh, carbon-based fuel because the government is in charge of everything now. A government that has just decided to spend us into oblivion. To bail out all of the big guys, make special favors for all the people who have big money, 
you know, the government where you go to jail for something. But if somebody in the know, somebody that's popular, somebody that, God forbid, would do exactly the same thing or far worse in Washington, they're never held to, to account. But you'd go to jail. A government that tells its own citizens, close down your business and you have no choice or you're going to jail. A government that says you're going to wear masks after the government says masks don't make any difference. I think that's a government out of control. And if that doesn't meet your bar, all the things that are going on, if this doesn't meet your bar, just wait until they take your guns away. No, that's not Christian or nationalism. That is common sense gun regulation. Back in a minute. All right, well, summer's right around the corner. GenuCell is celebrating early with the summer clearance sale. Right now they have over 60% off on GenuCell's most popular package at GenuCell.com. You can order today and GenuCell's dark spot corrector will be included. It visibly reduces pesky dark sunspots for free. Uh, the results are real. Millions of Americans are in love with GenuCell. This is the best in skincare. I've been talking about them for Quite a long time. Every uh, woman in my life loves uh, GenuCell. And it's the best you can do. I mean, if you're going to get skincare, if you're going to uh, try to take care of your skin so that you look your best as you as you age, GenuCell is the place to go. They guarantee results or your money back. And they will, uh, if you sign up for their best-in-class rewards program at checkout, you get an extra 10% off your order and a complimentary gift set. They're always hooking you up at GenuCell. It's GenuCell.com slash Beck. You can get 60% off. GenuCell.com slash Beck. If you enter Beck at checkout, you'll get an extra 20% off. And right now, every most popular package includes GenuCell's immediate effects for results in as little as 12 hours. So go to GenuCell.com slash Beck. G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Beck. Stay informed. Sign up for the free newsletter today at glennbeck.com. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, Bill Barr is my uh, guest on the podcast. It uh, came out last night about uh, 8 o'clock, and uh, that's for Blaze TV subscribers, so it's available now if you're a subscriber to Blaze TV. Uh, and it'll be available everywhere uh, tomorrow on YouTube or wherever you get your your uh, podcast. I, I will tell you that uh, no matter how you feel about Bill Barr, um, I asked him every question. I mean, I spent an hour and a half with him, uh, and you'll hear all of it unedited. Um, and I asked him every question that I think you would want me to ask. So tell me about January 6th. Tell me about uh, your interactions with Donald Trump about the election tell me why you didn't uh go and look into all of these reports uh of of fraud uh tell me uh tell me have you seen 2000 mules yet i asked him all of those questions yeah and i, I know you did not want to do the interview if you couldn't just ask him whatever you thought was important and yeah. and they agreed to that and you asked him everything and he didn't and and he didn't flinch yeah. at all yeah. i mean it was a friendly room i mean I, i'm not going after him you know like uh aoc 
Um, but I, I asked him all of the tough questions and you have to hear his answers. You may agree or disagree with him, but you have to hear his answers. There is logic behind and consistency behind every single one of them. And some of them surprised me. His, his, uh, thoughts on the, uh, uh, on why he didn't look into voter regular irregularities a, I not heard this story that he has told uh, now. Ne- I didn't hear it, uh, and I didn't know it. And he talked about private conversations that he had with uh, Donald Trump, and it's it's fascinating, fascinating. So yeah. that's uh, this weekend. If you're a subscriber to the Blaze, you can get it down the Glenbeck podcast with did Jill Barr. Did you get into all the stuff about the uh, impeachment? Oh, and, yeah. Uh, the release of the report. I told him, I said, when you left office, I was pissed mm. uh, because what happened to the report? And he goes into that in great detail. And uh, you have to hear his answer. Yeah. Because that, that, that was the thing for me. That and the election. Did you even look into any of these things? Those two things were big on my list. Uh, and you have to hear his answer. All right, back in just a minute. This is the Glenn Back Program. Oh, thank you so much. Um, coming up, uh, my head's going to explode probably about 20 minutes into this hour. Uh, then Stu will just gather up some of the pieces mm-hmm. and maybe put them together. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's wearing a t-shirt now that says all the King's horses and all the King's men. So I don't know if I can trust him. Uh, and, uh, and also, uh, uh, Senator Lee is in and then next hour, 45 seconds. we have, um, ah, oh, what's her face? Kellyanne Conway. Yeah. Kellyanne Conway. Yeah. She's in a, there's been a bit of controversy about her book release. Yeah. The president. Uh, yeah, I'm going to ask her about that. Yeah, denies one of her anecdotes in the story. Yeah. And a big, and he did it bigly yesterday on <laughs> yes, his, he I did. guess, Truth yes, Social or whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting thing because they, there's been no big falling out as far as I know I between them, although he was pretty angry about this. Yeah. I, I mean, I have so many questions mm. uh, for her. Like, to deal with your with your husband oh, God, are you gonna ask her that yes i'm gonna ask her that <laughs> oh man yeah <laughs> you're you wouldn't ask her that Everyone that is lying to you today for political purposes, we're going to do our best to tell you the truth and what it all means. Don't believe me. Do your own homework uh, because 
I, I mean, I wouldn't trust the boob on the radio right now. I wouldn't trust anybody. I don't trust anybody. People come up, who do you really trust? Me. But I'm not saying that for you. I'm saying you should answer that as well. Me. You got to do your own homework because things are way, way out of whack. But I'm going to try to take a whack at some of this uh, news today. And we begin in 60 seconds. Tuttle Twins books, man, they are the best. And honestly, these Tuttle Twin books are books that every parent should have on the shelf and read it to their kids. Kids love them. You'll love them. And they teach the truth. One of the books that I've asked them to make for free for you is Tuttle Twins and their spectacular show business. When you read this to your kids or you have your kids just read it by themselves, they're going to start to think differently. They're going to understand how business works, what a dollar means, uh, how to earn a dollar, all of the risk that it takes for you. They will understand what it takes to be an entrepreneur and start their own business. And our kids should be thinking about their own business. I mean, I I thought about it uh, yesterday. For some reason, this came up and I thought, I am 58 now. That means 50 years ago, I knew what I wanted to do. And I'm one of the fortunate ones. But I knew when I was eight, by 13, I'm at work. Why aren't our kids motivated to work? Are we protecting them? Is it too just too big and dangerous out there? Let tell them, think differently. Chart your own course. Get this new book for free. Just the cost of shipping. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. All righty then. I would like to start with Joy Reid. Not because she has any clue on anything, but because I think what she said was so ridiculously stupid and I hear it all the time And I would like to put an end to the nonsense, maybe give you a a way to argue it. Here's Joy Reid. Good evening, everyone. We begin the readout tonight with Republicans just tying themselves into pretzels to point the finger at every single thing but the problem, the gun, in the wake of the murders of 19 fourth graders and two of their teachers in Uvalde, Texas. So the gun. We tying ourselves into pretzels. To blame everything but the culprit, the gun. Now, that gun probably sat in a box for a long time. When it was shipped to the store, it was in a box. It didn't try to fight its way out of the box or the truck. When, when it was put up for sale to be just used by someone else, its independence lost it didn't, it didn't fire or try to shoot its way out of the gun store. No, it just stayed there idle, pretending, pretending not to care that it's being sold into slavery. And it was only at the moment that it saw children that it thought, I can make my point. Guns are people too. That's just the most ridiculous thing ever. 
You know, um, I remember during the Clinton administration, it was said that Hillary threw a lamp at her husband. It wasn't the lamp's fault. And in, in this case, I don't even think it was Hillary's fault. It was his and his zipper's fault. Okay, that was the real culprit there. Not Monica Lewinsky, not Hillary Clinton, not the lamp. So let's talk about the real culprit. The real culprit is the person that uses the weapon. Now, how do I know you know that? Well, because the evil United States dropped two nuclear weapons. <gasps> Who gets the blame for that? The evil Harry Truman. The evil War Department. The evil people that flew the plane that dropped the bomb. The American people for supporting a government that would drop the bomb. The left always blames the people. You don't hear anyone saying, you know what the problem is at the end of World War II? That damn nuclear weapon. You can, you can blame the Los Alamos project and all the people, but not the bomb. Because the bomb wasn't at war with the Japanese. The bomb didn't have an airplane to fly it. The bomb, if it could somehow or another sneak its way on to an airplane, it couldn't just be released from the airplane on its own. The bomb didn't invent itself. So how come you're very clear on blaming the people, the evil white people of the United States, for the dropping of the bomb when the real culprit there is the bomb? Let me, get, let me take one other thing apart here. This has been driving me out of my ever-loving mind. Here, cut to AOC yesterday. Realities and how we heal from our country's wounds as spreading hate, when really what it is is like they don't want to be reminded of the hate that exists. And mm -hmm. if we aren't willing to confront what? it, it's just going to keep growing. Are these all questions? Talking about it is not... Feeding it, it it's again. not inciting it. Exciting it. White supremacy is a fact. Okay. Oh. It's not just a fact. Wait, you're saying it's true? You look at That's rude. FBI statistics, which underreport hate crimes, police statistics, which also underreport, even all the institutions that underreport hate crimes yeah. still has white supremacist groups as by far, by far, by far, by far. the leading, really? uh, yes. driving, this is true. The leading driver this is of true. domestic terrorism in the United States. Yes, it's absolutely true. And do you know how they get there? No. Um, they count uh, terrorist uh, groups and terrorist activities that include only the white supremacy groups in prisons. So if there is a if there is a Hispanic group in prison that is is having an uprising in prison or killing people in prison, they don't count that. Okay, they don't count that. 
Only the white supremacist groups get counted in prison. In prison. For in prison, that's the lion's share of all of those stats that you see. That white supremacists, they are behind most. They've killed more. More white supremacists have killed more people than anybody else. Remember that? Yeah. Just came out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I looked it up. You ought to look it up, Stu, because it's great. You're a statistical monster. You love this stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how they get that number. They count the number of people beaten and killed in prison by white supremacists in prison. Hmm. So because usually what you see when you look at the FBI statistics, for example, what you see is that the biggest victim of hate crimes are Jews. Yeah. Right. And now, now look, white supremacists seem to hate pretty much everybody. Oh, yeah. Sure. But yeah. Uh, the anti-Semitic attacks don't necessarily come from white supremacist organizations all the time. They come from all over the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so it would be weird it just doesn't seem to add up, but if 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 what you're saying is is accurate, which I'm sure it is, that is that would certainly uh, explain quite sure a bit. Sure does. <laughs> How can you possibly get there? That was my question. Yeah. How did they get to that number? Mm. Look it up. Mm. It's incredible. Now, so we have we've just debunked the white supremacist this nonsense that she's shoveling, and everybody in the media is shoveling. It's nonsense. It's bullcrap. First of all, you know it's not true. Okay? You just know it's not. You have lived a life where you can observe. So you know that's not true. So the first question should have been, how do you arrive at those stats? Second thing, you also know the gun is not responsible. If the gun was responsible, then when we had these automatic weapons, which are not automatic, assault weapons... They're not assault weapons. That that why why are they assault weapons? Who named them assault weapons? It's not what they were. They were hunting rifles and they were out for sale in the 1950s. Okay? As hunting rifles. Why wouldn't why didn't we have all these problems back then? They were available. Why didn't we have just more people with flintlocks just killing people randomly, even if it wasn't a mass shooting, just one? How come we didn't have that? It's not the gun, unless the guns all were so enslaved back then that they were convinced they didn't have the power to shoot the white oppressor. See, it's the people. For instance, you don't blame the nuke. You blame the people who have the nuke, right? For instance, a lot of anti-Semites say that Israel shouldn't have a nuke. Well, Israel doesn't claim to have a nuke. We all know they do, but they don't claim to have any nukes. Is anybody really afraid of Israel dropping a nuclear weapon? Uh, There's a greater chance that Russia drops a nuclear weapon. And what's the problem with nuclear weapons? When we weren't, when Putin wasn't desperate, dying, uh, and vying for global domination, did we have a problem with all those nukes that were sitting in the silos? No, because we thought they were relatively safe. They weren't. They weren't in control by madmen. But the left doesn't mind. In fact, the left is helping Iran get a nuke. 
Now, that doesn't make sense. Why would we be encouraging and in our own uh, negotiations with Iran, making it possible for them to build a nuclear power plant and to be able to enrich it? Why would we do that when we can't even build power plants here? Why would we do that? Because of politics. Politics. I'm going to share something with you that you don't know, most likely. Whatever happened to Persia? Whatever happened to Persia, right? I mean, I know, I know it's modern-day Iran, but whatever happened to it? When did it change from Persia to Iran? Oh, oh this is a great story that 99% of Americans don't know that you should. And it's weird because... Anybody on the left that is feeling we should help or just tolerate nuclear weapons and nuclear technology in Iran, mm, boy, you're going to have some splaining to do. 60 seconds. Ramon writes in about his wife's experience with uh, Relief Factor. He says, I ordered Relief Factor for my wife. Her pain level has dropped off dramatically. Not only were we able to get around, she was able to get around the house easier, but her pain level is so much more manageable now. Thank you so much for this product. It's making a big difference in my wife's day-to-day ability to live a more normal life. Look, uh, I started it and I, I didn't think it would work. And I would, I, it made a slight in the first three weeks, a slight difference I didn't think any until I got off it. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'll take that difference. I was willing to take it just for that difference. I am 95 to 99 percent pain free now. That is remark. I have my life back. Please try it. If you're in pain, try relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. Take the three-week quick start trial pack. 800, the number four relief, 800 for relief or relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. 10 seconds, station ID. So I asked the question of myself, um, what happened at Persia? And Google is around, so it's pretty easy to kind of just Google search, you know, Persia. Um, Persia was um, was actually kind of retired. So the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, the head of the Islamic uh, movement back in the 1940s, um, so he could present a gift to Hitler. You see, he read Mein Kampf. He he loved the idea of what Hitler was doing. And so uh, he he started telling everybody about how great this is. Maybe we could even build some of these concentration camps here. They were going to build concentration camps all over the Middle East. And uh, who he convinced to be a really big supporter were the people of Persia, at least the leadership of Persia. We have pictures in our vault of the meeting where they actually gave Iran, if you will, as a gift to Hitler. You see, Persia went away because they wanted to rename it uh, something meaningful to show their solidarity with Adolf Hitler. Iran, translated, is Aryan. 
Adolf Hitler, we are your Aryan nation. Now, that's not the people. That's the leadership that did that. The Islamic leadership that did that. And they formed little little death squads. This is from uh, World War II. Uh, if you're watching, I'll describe it to you. It's a fez. It's a green fez. We have a green one and a red one. Um, this was a elite SS Muslim unit, and their main job was to round up and kill the Jews. Uh, I didn't know any of this stuff. Had you heard this? Uh, by the way, just to add insult to injury, uh, I'm going to show you the inside of the Fez. I don't know if you can see it here, if I can catch the light, barely. But it says in pen where it was made, Dachau. So now, you know that when they say the... Jew will not be able to hide uh, behind a tree or a rock for the tree in the rock will say, quick, there's a Jew hiding behind me. And when they say they'll burn in the in the fiery uh, furnace of the Islamic uh, fury, and then they say they're building a nuclear bomb and they are going to use it first on Israel. Is it the bomb that we worry about or is it the people that are using it if you say you're against weapons of war that's probably the biggest one yet do you have the same kind of uh, zeal for the nuclear missiles that have been in our ground forever and we're not going to use them? Or Russia? Why weren't you out protesting Russia when Putin seemed halfway a killer but halfway sane? And why are you helping Iran do that? Because they're madmen who have a history of wanting to eliminate all the Jews. It's in their name. Aryan. Uh, and they say they're going to use it. The reason why nobody does this and the reason why people are not consistent is because of politics, even on our own side. You're for one person one day and then they do one thing and they're not with they're the enemy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do we disagree with what that person just did? Because they did, they've done a ton of stuff that's really great. Do we force them to walk in lockstep? We shouldn't. Because that's what the left does. You have to agree on every... Because it's a religion. They can get away with lying, cheating, and stealing. Because their religion says, if it's good for the collective, if it's good for the ends, doesn't matter what we do. It should to us. The world is uh, in a very interesting place right now. We are in a place where we don't have confidence in really anything. And the real replacement theory from the real religion of the left is tearing down all of our institutions and our trust.
and something has to give here or it will snap in half. And I think these shootings and what um, Joe Biden did yesterday with an executive order, what he said yesterday about the Second Amendment might be that breaking point. And I'm not so convinced that they don't know that. Mike Lee will sort a few things out for us in just a minute. Stand by. So I, I got back. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, I, uh, I just got a letter in from Maria. She wrote in um, about Rough Green. She said, glad I have to tell you how much I love this product. Our dog really had bad skin allergies and we had tried everything. Everything, all the recommended treatments, everything that the vet told us to do, but nothing worked. She had a really bad smell as well. Three days into the trial, we noticed a difference. It's been almost two weeks and the odor is gone and there's no more itching. Her red bumps are all but gone. Definitely worth the price. The folks at Rough Greens are so confident that your dog is going to love this. Now, this is not a dog food. It's something you sprinkle on the dog's food and it has everything that they need in the right dosage. Um, and they've made a special deal because they know if your dog eats it, you're going to see changes week after week, month after month. I mean, I'm honestly, I still see changes in Uno today. And he's been taking this stuff for what? Two years, two plus years. Get your first bag free. All you pay for is shipping. Go to roughgreens.com slash Beck, R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash Beck, or call 833-GLEN33. BlazeTV.com slash Glen is the place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. Use the promo code Glen. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We have Kellyanne Conway coming up in just about a half hour. We have in studio with us now, Senator Mike Lee. Hello, Mike. Good to be with you. Uh, Mike has put a new book out. Uh, We'll talk about it uh, a little bit next week. Saving Nine. It's all about the Supreme Court and what they are trying to do to the Supreme Court and why it's so important that they don't win. Um, Let's talk about the Supreme Court. And I want to talk to you through guns. Um. Right now, we have Biden saying, you know, the Second Amendment's not an absolute. You couldn't have a cannon when this was written. I think you could, Mike. I think you could own a cannon. Um, And you can't have, you know, uh, you can't have weapons of war. That's what a flintlock was at the time. Is it absolute or not? It's absolute with regard to weapons commonly held by law-abiding citizens for lawful purposes. So, yeah, that extends to guns. It extends to uh, most guns. It extends to most knives, all knives, as far as I'm aware. You have the right to bear arms. This goes back, I mean, nearly 500 years. Uh, This was a a deeply honored tradition and uh, something protected under the mm-hmm. English Bill of Rights long right. before we became a country. So, but wait a minute. So you said you have a right to own a weapon that is legally allowed to be held. Well, then, so could Congress just pass laws that just say, and that would be constitutional? They could say, you know what? Uh, only uh, only six shooters are allowed. And I mean, you know, 
revolvers. Well, no, because we have a, a long history and tradition of allowing people to have guns and commonly held by law-abiding persons for lawful purposes, peaceful purposes. So if there is an established tradition for that weapon, then you've got a Second Amendment right to it. That doesn't mean that we can't keep it away from people who are convicted felons or who have been convicted of a misdemeanor offense of domestic violence or are addicted to drugs uh, or have some other... Mental health? Uh, yes, who have been adjudicated incompetent by a court of competent jurisdiction. So you have, uh, first of all, California, uh, just the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, just uh, said that their under-21 gun restriction is unconstitutional. And I don't know how we can ask somebody who is 18 to go fight a war for us with a gun and a lot of dangerous things and lay down their life as a citizen for this country. And then when they come home, if they come home, you know, before they're 21, they don't have full rights of that citizenship. By the way, what if they lay down their life for their country holding their weapon of choice right. is a gun. Right. So they can be trusted in that context, but not elsewhere. It's 16. They're allowed to drive. A car is also a dangerous weapon. Yes. It can be used, has been used uh, for that. And so, yeah, that seems like an arbitrary distinction. Um, so um, Biden uh, has uh, come out and uh, has said that he wants something has got to be done. That is really dangerous. McConnell has directed John Cornyn to engage with the Democrats on a bipartisan solution on gun violence. I have no respect left for John Cornyn, even though he is from Texas. He is no friend of Liberty. Um, what, what is that all about? It's, it's hard to say. I, I don't know that we've heard from uh, John Cornyn or from Mitch McConnell what exactly, if anything, they want in, enacted. But I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you my approach to it. I do think there is some danger in approaching a national emergency and responding to it by saying, we need another law, we need another law right now. Every time government expands, every time it, it extends its reach by passing a new law, it undermines liberty in one way or another. It doesn't mean it's always a bad thing, but it is, it is a bad thing typically to legislate under intense emotion in the immediate aftermath of an emergency, yeah. a crisis. That's where bad law happens. So, so, Mike, what is coming our way? The, the, do, do you think the Supreme Court knows who the leaker was? Yes, I do. I, I believe the Supreme Court almost certainly has figured it out by now. I believe the Supreme Court probably figured out within right a couple of days who the yeah, leaker was. And I suspect, don't know this, but I suspect what they're doing is they're wanting to wait until the end of the term, until after... The Dobbs ruling has been announced before airing to the world who it was, because that might uh, just add to the confusion, the discussion around it. And it but might you also think somebody will pay for that. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do. I, I, I think they know who it was. And I do think that that person will have consequences if, as I suspect, it was a law clerk. I think that law clerk like will, likely will never practice law. Uh, it, that's not OK to leak confidential information, not your own, uh, uh, to the world. And this was very, very sensitive information. I hope somebody pays for it, because that's another problem we have in America right now. People don't trust the system. They, and there's, no re there's really not a lot of reasons to trust it. Nobody seems to pay for crimes. 
and that's the sad part about this is that in that case, this was uh, one system that still has been trusted. Yes. The Supreme Court of the United States. Look, warts and all, they, they, they issue plenty of rulings that I disagree with that I don't like. Our federal court system is the best of its kind in the world. And we benefit from it tremendously as Americans because of it. When you leak an opinion before it's out, trying to impact the outcome of that particular dispute, yeah. you undermine the credibility of the court. That's what the left's trying to do. So did they, um, do you think this changed or hardened the stance of this leak, hardened the stance of those that were for, uh, you know, this, the, the, the leaked opinion? I hope, and, and I fundamentally believe that it will harden the stance of those who had already yeah. decided preliminarily to cast their votes with Justice Alito's masterfully written opinion. I think so, too. It was beautiful. It was brilliant. Anyone on either side of this issue uh, uh, should read that opinion because it is fantastic. Yeah. So now uh, we have, let me go back again, because I'm looking at what's coming. I'm building this to the nine justices um, that they're going to want to pack the court. We have a couple of cases that are just as strong as Roe versus Wade in their area. Do we not? We have one on gun rights. We do indeed. At New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Brown, a case in which I submitted an amicus brief, a friend of the court brief, very significant issues related to the Second which Amendment. Which means what the argument is. New York, and I know it because I couldn't get a gun in New York, and I had 15 active threats on my life the entire time I was in New York. Um, you have to prove that you have a need to carry a gun. An exceptional need. Yes. You have to prove that you are different, differently situated than most citizens, mm -hmm. and that you have this heightened need to it. What they're doing is taking a generally applicable right that the founding fathers gave us and said, okay, this obviously can't be for everyone. It can't even be for most people. And in fact, we're going to make it only available under exceptional circumstances. It's rather the opposite of a right. Right, right. So we have that coming out. Anything else that's real controversial that you think they will... There are some administrative law decisions coming out that I hope, I suspect could end up having some bearing on the ability of the executive branch agencies, unelected, unaccountable well, bureaucrats, nice. to make law. Okay. But the real, the gun one and abortion yes. will, could ignite the streets um, and then also start a push for packing the court. Yes. That's what they do. And Glenda, that's why I wrote uh, my book, Saving Nine, which is available on pre-order now. You can buy it on Amazon now, Saving Nine. I started writing this over a year ago, because I predicted this very thing happening. I started thinking, I realized, my gosh, we could end up in a situation by the summer of 2022 where Roe gets overturned. And in response to that, the left will try to demonize and delegitimize the court and, and isolate those who have voted for it. And they're going to go back to their tried and true playbook of 1937, where they tried to pack the court. So I explained in Saving Nine how it is that this backfires this backfires on the best judicial system in the world. Why it is that in 1937, the last time the Democrats tried this, it left a lasting mark, a mark that has caused all sorts of problems in our government ever since then. The threat of court packing, even though it didn't succeed there, 
influenced the court. It harassed and intimidated the court, the court to the point that the court deferred blindly to FDR and changed the law. So FDR did this, but the Democrats, generally speaking, were against it. It was the Democrats that were fighting, along with the Republicans, fighting FDR on this. You don't have that situation now. You don't have that situation now. And in fact, the very same Democrats who have for decades decried court packing, they're ashamed that their party did this, are now changing course. They're now back on board. Look, Joe Biden, when he was in the Senate, called it a boneheaded idea. It was a boneheaded idea when FDR did it, and it would be a boneheaded idea now. Right. His words, not mine. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, just a couple years ago before she died, uh, uh, said essentially the same thing. Democrat after Democrat had said this. But now... They're ignoring all that. Now they're saying, but we have to do it. And that's because, the, de- in my opinion, the Democrats are not Democrats. They're more Marxist revolutionaries. Because this is, once you lose this, you're done as a nation, are you not? Well, yeah, you're, you're done at least as a nation that lives under the rule of law. Because in order for the rule of law to work, in order for a Republican form of government to work in a constitutional republic like ours... You do have to have a neutral, independent arbiter of what the law means when people disagree as to the law's meaning. You lose that if you pack the court because the court then becomes a political football. It stops resembling a court and starts to resemble the intergalactic Senate in Star Wars where right. so many people it can't be managed. <laughs> right. Um, one last thing I want to talk to you about, the Durham case. I, I just talked to Bill Barr, and um, he told some fascinating behind-the-scenes so, uh, stuff that that's a podcast that's out today um and i was really actually angry with him that you know like where was this and he had really good explanations uh for all of it he said that he knew that durham would continue but we're looking at now the uh, i mean it, it looks like it's tying right directly to hillary clinton i mean it looks bad for sussman and and the clinton campaign however the jury is from Washington, D.C. There are two donors to Hillary Clinton's campaign. Uh, I mean, it's it's a very tainted jury. Is there anything that I mean, if the facts are there and the jury dismisses it, it's over, right? Yes, that is a central feature of our system. Correct. When a crime is prosecuted, you've got a jury and the jury makes a decision. The jury's decision is unreviewable. So then. If they don't pay again, if nobody pays for this, what, what do we, how do we, how do we retrieve? Yeah, that's a good question. So it's true. The jury's decision in that case is unreviewable. That's, those are protections we offer for the individuals accused. and it should be. And I agree with double jeopardy shouldn't happen. But when you get a jury that decides not to convict for whatever reason, that doesn't mean the facts go away. It doesn't mean the evidence isn't there. It doesn't mean the American people can't, won't be, and shouldn't be informed by the evidence presented to the jury. We still will have that. Okay. I I have one more question for you, but I got to take a quick break. Back uh, for another moment with uh, Mike Lee. Uh, The name of his book is Saving Nine. You can get it now. Some decisions are really obvious. Don't ever say that a boat is unsinkable, right? I mean, you know, and if you do say that, don't book a third class ticket. I'm just saying. If you're paying too much to woke companies for your phone service, switch, switch. 
They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers. So you get the same great service plus the great peace of mind that your money is combating the left's attempt to silence you. So don't say don't don't uh, don't make a decision um, based on something that you that you know is not true. This is a obvious decision for you to make. Stand with the people who offer you great service at a very good price. It's going to save you money as the same service, you know, the same coverage. And they're fighting with you, not against you. This is a pretty obvious deal. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. Or if you call them at 972-PATRIOT, make sure you use the offer code Beck because you get free activation. It's PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or 972-PATRIOT. The Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Uh, Mike Lee is joining us here. He's going to be on the podcast next week. He's got a brand new book out called Saving Nine. It's all about packing the court, why it's a really bad idea. Um, But, uh, Mike, I want to ask you, the Republicans have one shot. One shot. Are are we going to actually see a strong Republican Senate and House if you win? Are we going to see people actually standing up? Are we going to have more... You know, more of Turtle Face. What's his name? McConnell. Yes, we, we, we are. And we are because we have to. We are because we realize this is Are people the last making shot. plans? Are they? Yeah. There are plans. So my colleague, Senator Rick Scott from Florida, has come up with a legislative plan. My, legisl- my legislative plan for if we get the majority focuses first and foremost on passage of the RAINS Act, which involves, RAINS Act is a very simple thing. It just says our laws, laws that affect the American people have to be passed by the people's elected lawmakers and not unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats. I love that. It's that that simple. That That changes everything. It changes everything. It has a spillover effect on everything bad the federal government does. So I think we should focus on that and make that our pinnacle achievement and promise. Wow, I, I, I that that also gets into kind of some spooky things that you know powers that you don't know the government has. Right, right, powers that you don't know the government has because the people have never given up that power because they've never elected anyone who gives the power to some nameless, faceless bureaucrat who, well, well educated, hardworking, and well intentioned, doesn't work for you. You can't fire him or her. That would kind of really deeply affect the deep state too wouldn't it absolutely it It would would. would change everything that's brilliant okay so elect mike lee uh senator lee for senate.com thank you (laughs) thank you very much mike the name of the book is saving nine by senator mike lee lee for senate.com this is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, it is a fascinating podcast and you need to listen. I asked him all the questions that I, I think the audience would want to ask and the ones that I wanted to ask. And he didn't have a problem answering any of them. Very frank. Um, now, I don't think he's one of the most popular people with the uh, with the former president. But I I mean, neither is our next guest. Are we ever going to be able to talk to Donald Trump uh, ever again? Having Bill Barr on and then on the day that he has a problem with our next guest. I mean, I think their relationship is solid. I thought it was pretty good, yeah. No, it's been good, but I okay. think he got really mad yesterday. Yesterday, I did yeah. see that, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, 
you know, I don't know if he'll ever talk to us again now, but I'm anxious to talk to Kellyanne Conway. I thought she was very effective in what she did. Um, and I got a lot of questions for her on, she's got a new book out. It's 500 pages. Mm. Um, and uh, it's really, it's really, really good. And so we'll talk to her about some of the things that she reveals in that here in just a second. Stand by. writes in her uh, new book that is uh, that is out now she writes in here's the deal heading to the school year the fall of 2018 all four Conway children were thriving they were with me full-time in DC my mom had moved in with us to help my core four George was spending chunks of time in New York at the firm where he voluntarily went from partner to of of council role spending his nights alone at our house in Alpine, New Jersey, 240 miles away from DC. The numbers don't lie. During this time, the frequency and ferocity of his tweets accelerated. Clearly, he was cheating by tweeting, and I was having a hard time competing with his new fling. She goes into what those tweets, how they dealt with them, how the president dealt with them, Kellyanne Conway joins us in 60 seconds. You know, I don't know about you, but it really, it bothers me a great deal when we have to ask people to go out and protect us or protect our country in our name. The president doesn't send them out. The Congress doesn't send them out. We send them out. And many times they're our own kids or relatives. When they don't come back, or when they come back catastrophically injured, what is the government doing? Right now, this administration is taking funds from the VA hospital and sending those funds down to the border so we have doctors down there for all of the people that we're letting in across the border. It's our responsibility to take care of our veterans. They took care of us. So may I ask you to join the Tunnel to Towers organization. Tunnel to Towers. It's T2T.org. I'd like to ask you if you would donate $11 a month to T2T. They have Operation Home Base, which gifts 
tiny houses to homeless veterans. Um, they Every time a veteran or a first responder, police or fire, they fall in the line of duty and they have kids, T to T comes in and they take the mortgage away so the family does not have any problems, financial problems at least. Take that load off of them. T2T.org. Step to the plate, America, because our government is failing us too many times. T2T.org. Well, it is a pleasure to welcome on the program the author of Here's the Deal and former Trump campaign manager, former senior counselor to President Trump, Kellyanne Conway. Hello, Kellyanne. How are you? I'm wonderful, Glenn Beck, and thank you for having me today. <laughs> you bet. Good to you hear bet. your voice in person. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I, ha- I have to start because this is the, I mean, I'm sorry, but this is the thing that I've always wondered. You and your husband, are you like uh, James Carville and, and Mary Matlin? No, we're not. And I know, I'm glad you asked that question because other people just write it and they presume it. That's not what this is. Um, he was never a Democrat working against my Republican presidential candidate. That would be James Carville, who helped make Bill Clinton's career, Mary Madeline, very smart Republican strategist who worked for the Bushes and others. In this case, uh, George and I both were of a single mind that Donald Trump had to beat Hillary Clinton and become president of the United States. George was incredibly supportive, even helpful, coming to the campaign many nights after leaving his own job a few blocks away from Trump Tower. And I write in the book, this new book, Here's the Deal, when great beach read, great Father's Day gift, get on it, folks. I write there very explicitly that people say, without Kellyanne Conway, Donald Trump would not have been elected in 2016. That's debatable. But what will never be in doubt is that without George Conway, Kellyanne Conway could not have been the campaign manager in those closing months of 2016 to the extent I was. He encouraged, if not insisted me, to take my shot. He was the, George was the only person I told in the hours after President Mr. Trump offered me the campaign management job, and he said, Kellyanne, you're doing this. He can actually win with you, and I'll help out more at home, and he did. And so people just need to know the facts. And George and I had something else in common, and not just as parents of these four wonderful children, Glenn Beck, but we had in common that we both accepted big jobs in the Trump administration. Everyone knows my job. They saw me out there uh, again and again. But George had accepted a position, uh, a nomination as the head of the civil division of the U.S. Department of Justice. That's a big job. Mm. And he you know, did that. Now, he changed his mind about Donald Trump. This is America. We can all do that, Glenn Beck. You can change your mind about Donald Trump, about politics, about what you're having for dinner, whatever it is. But to do it in such a public way was so not George and was so not helpful um, to his wife and, and to so our family. What, why did he feel it was necessary? You say it wasn't like him. What, can you get into that? Why did he feel it was so necessary? Oh, I think people who change their mind about Donald Trump and people who are already congenitally afflicted with Trump derangement syndrome, for which yeah. there are no therapeutics and no vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> they feel, <laughs> look around. There certainly isn't. They feel duty bound to express that publicly because they find an immediate and equally vociferous hungry audience in so doing. But as I put in my book, you know, I miss the privately brilliant 
George Conway, not the publicly bombastic, yeah. bombastic one that he had become. And uh, listen, George is a very smart person. He graduated Harvard at 20, graduated Yale Law School at 23, made partner at um, the premier law firm in New York City at 30, unheard of in these days after five years only, unheard of. And, and he's, we've been married for many decades. We have four children together. What, what, what this all comes down to is I don't understand what was happening. And the reason I call it cheating by tweeting is because of how he was spending his time. So if you have a side piece, if you have a gumas, the Italians in my family, the Italian men in my family did uh, growing up, if you had a, you know, you have a mistress, you're spending time with that person, thinking about her and meeting with her and right. being with her and planning that and pretending you weren't with her. And I just felt this was very similar in that this, this consumed an awful lot of his time and his attention. And you saw what happened. George Conway became a folk hero, but actually Kellyanne Conway's husband did. I put in the book quantitatively mm-hmm. that he was referred to as Kellyanne Conway's husband routinely, which tells you all you need to know about what their real motive was particularly in those beginning months, if not year, which was to try to stick it to me, to try to put division between Donald Trump and me, to try to get me to quit my job. I was good at my job, and I loved my job. I loved my public service job, and I was darn good at it, and I was very focused on it. And I think the media, who never knew whose job, you know what, the job of the media, Glenn, is, in my view, to get the story. But they took it upon themselves to get the president and those around him, his family members, his senior staffers, and their families. And they couldn't get enough of Kellyanne Conway's husband. Um, I I have to ask just one quick follow-up question, because you write in the book that Ivanka came to you and gave you, I think, two names of marriage counselors. And you guys went. You guys are married, and are things better now, or...? We did not go. I put in the book that oh, we never went. Oh, you did went. not go. I thought you go. had I two names. I thought she gave you two did, names and did. he we said yes to one. That's right. He said no to one and then he sort of shrugged at the other and we never went. And oh. I, the way I look at it is that, that I wouldn't be so public about something so private, except yeah. it's important to know that I take my marriage vows very seriously. I've always been yeah. faithful to them. And when I said forever, I meant it. And, um, and it was very nice of Ivanka Trump, who, and I put in the book, Glenn, that, you know, I, I, I was talking to her about something else. Our offices were right next to each other in the West Wing uh, on the second floor. I called the Cool Kids Wing, White House Counsel's Office, me, Johnny DiStefano, and Dina Powell, uh, Ivanka, and then Larry Kudlow across from us. And I, and I, she was very, you know, Ivanka's a very nice person. She's very gracious, very kind. And she gave it to me on a post-it because she knew I was open to receiving it. And she said, listen, I've got lots of Democrats in my family. I know how this goes. And these they're making things harder for all of us. And it was very nice of her. But we never went. And I, the, the reason I talk about it is I think that um, if George wanted to do that, he would have done that because that's the way he's, we see the way he spent his time. He did exactly what he wanted to do. So I want to make very clear right now, as I make clear in the book, because I know it gets manipulated, is that George does not owe loyalty and fealty to Donald Trump or to the president of the United States, or to a political party, or to this or that. The vows were to me. So if he wants to change his mind, he can do that. This is America. But changing his mind about me and that job after we moved our family there together, put the kids in new schools, accepted jobs, and even when he took his name out of contention, uh, yes, out of, out of contention for the civil division chief right. of the U.S. Department of Justice, Glenn, he put out a statement, not on Twitter, because he wasn't a much of a tweeter then, um, put out a statement saying, Mr. President, thank you for this wonderful opportunity, and of course I still support your administration and the work of my wonderful wife. A couple days later, he sent out his first tweet I put in the book that Sean Spicer, then the press secretary, is coming toward me in the East Room, and he said, did you know about this? And he's showing me a tweet that apparently came from George Conway. I have an entire chapter in my new book, Here's the Deal, Glenn, that says, but George doesn't tweet. 
And that's exactly what I said. I said, that can't be true, that he doesn't tweet, that's a fake account, or it wow. was hacked. And then, and we all know the rest is history. Yeah. Okay, so, um, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, Ivanka was very uh, gracious to you. Uh, and that's the one thing that I don't think, you, that never comes out about the president as well. His children are very, very gracious. Um, but he is incredibly gracious and um, warm in person it's like he's like a different person um when he's not on you know when he's not on stage is do i have that read right of him you have it absolutely right and i know that you've had contact with him so you know this to be true you've had conversations with him in person more than a few uh glenn it is absolutely true and if donald trump was not a good boss let alone a good boss to women or a good boss to working mothers of which there were many in the white house uh, I wouldn't have worked there. Why would I do that? He was a great boss, and he's very warm. And I think Donald Trump will never get full credit for something he's never asked credit for, which is how many times he trans- positively transformed people's lives by picking up the phone, by making a call, by making his private jet available back in the day, by but just connecting people need with yeah. opportunity. Yeah. And and he never really, you know, he doesn't brag about that any more than the people who would run around in the comms department saying, I think you should, you know, go do an off-the-record ice cream stop with your nine grandchildren. And he would say, well, why would I do that? I enjoy them in private. In other words, he he's very authentic that way, and he's very warm and gracious. And even Hillary Clinton, I write in the book, Hillary Clinton acknowledged as much in a debate. In one of the debates in 2016, Glenn, each of them, Trump and Hillary, were asked about the other. Say something nice about the other. Compliment the other. And uh, her compliment of him was, I don't agree with Donald on most things. We disagree on everything. But he has raised uh, really great kids, adult kids. Yeah, that's true. And, and then look what happened. Um, they went after them and still yeah. do. But, but it absolutely is true. And look, it's a measure. If we can all be remembered at, for our kids... I think that's wonderful. I, I said when, you know, when my daughter, Claudia, she was only 12, was didn't want to move to Washington. And of the four, you know, I say as a pollster, if you get 75% agreement on something, you're really winning. But as a mom, you basically need to get close to 100% agreement. So I needed all four kids on board. And she was really the holdout. And I really feel for her. And she's a great, ki- great kid now, almost a woman. She, Claudia, you know, somebody in the Washington Post was doing a profile. I mean, they said, well, we saw Claudia Conway's on there with a change.org petition, stop the Conway kids from moving to D.C., what's that about? I said, well, at least she's honest. I said, the rest of, con- the rest of this country often pretends I'm a revolutionary, I'm a change maker, I'm going to do this, and they go to McDonald's every night in order number three in the van. <laughs> I said, but, you know, at least she admits that she, she, at least she admits she wants things to stay the same and not move. And they said, well, what do you say to her? I said, I told, she said, Mom, I don't want to go to D.C. and be known as Kellyanne Conway's daughter. And I said, guess what? You cure cancer, and I'll be known as Claudia Conway's mother. Mm. Deal. And that's very true. And for Donald Trump, you know, he raised great kids. We're all trying to raise great kids. It's the yeah. most, it's the one, most wonderful contribution you can make to society. It is. I, I mean, I, and I know, I mean, that, that's the one thing I knew the whole time was that his kids loved him. Uh, and at the end, I'm not sure my kids would have walked through that wall of fire. Uh, I mean, they, they never abandoned him, at least publicly. And they, I, I doubt that they agree on everything, um, but maybe that's just me and I'm not asking for inf- inside information. We're talking to Kellyanne Conway. Um, she has a, uh, a brand new book that is out now. We're going to spend some more time with her here in just a second. If you want to pick up the, uh, uh, the book, it's called Here's the Deal by Kellyanne Conway. It is uh, out now wherever 
wherever you order your books or get your books from. Back in 60 seconds. First, imagine a day you wake up and your money is gone. It's worthless. Well, let me bring this. Let me bring this uh, to something that I mean, because that probably at some point will happen to your dollar. But your dollar is now worth what? 70 percent of what it was worth just a decade ago. It's losing value. It's not that prices are necessarily going up on some things. Prices are because of the demand or the, I don't know, lack of supply. Um, But a lot of this is caused just because your dollar is worth less. Please. All I want, I don't, I don't, I don't need to make money off of my money. I don't, I just don't know where to put it. I don't know what to do with the money that I do have in the bank. Where do you? Everything is up in the air. What's a safe thing you can do? Well, may I recommend precious metals, gold and silver right now, a pre Memorial Day special that is going on at Goldline. It includes a free half ounce platinum coin commemorates the War of 1812. These are really beautiful. Um, They're also including free silver with their weekly special call Goldline today And find out, how can I protect my future? How can I protect my hard-earned money? 866-GOLDLINE. Call them right now. 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Back with Kellyanne Conway after Station ID. I want to get into some uh, some of the things that you have said in the book, um, especially about you on paper, if you will. Um, and I want to talk about that. But first, can we clear up one thing there? President Trump was mad at you last was mad at you last night um, because you said that something like, you know, you aren't going to win. Uh, I don't know if you're going to win. And uh, you told him that. And he said you didn't tell him that. No, what he's saying is that he's got a bunch of 20-somethings in his ear who print out screaming headlines from who he considers to be the fake media. And they print out the headlines that say, Kellyanne says Trump lost. Uh, Donald Trump has said he lost. In the rigged documentary, he's sitting with Dave Bossie and says, and we lost. He's explaining how that happened. It was rigged, etc. But no, what I told him was that he had every right to... See, you have to read the book to actually understand. One needs to read the book, and the 20-somethings around him aren't going to read. They just read social media all day. And, um, you know, people who aren't close to him like I am feed his brain. And, Glenn, I don't know if you want to talk about it. I talked about it a little bit yesterday in a podcast, but... I was presented today's Friday. I was presented Wednesday night what the president was going to put out that night about me and my book. And it was highly complimentary, (laughs) telling people to go buy the book. She's the greatest America first MAGA all the way. We may have to do this together again. So um, I think for the first time, he's allowed somebody to really try to get between us, get in his head. Um, So I told him he came up short, meaning the he, they had not produced enough evidence by December 14th. Correct. And the electors were going to certify the election. And I also told him in the six weeks in between, he had every right to do what Hillary done, Al Gore, and others, which is go find that evidence. Go show this state. There was theft, fraud, malfeasance. And I think theft and fraud 
were the wrong ways to start. Because if you start with crimes, you're giving yourself this, you're, you need to bear this very high evidence. To prove. Yeah, and you'll never do it in three, four it. weeks. you got to start out with, we're hearing crazy stuff. Look at this. They, right. won't let our, they won't let bipartisan, they won't let our people in to watch them count the ballots. Right. They, they, look, you know, look at the Zoom. I mean, his $1.4 billion campaign couldn't put Zoom and ring cameras in the back alleys of the, the voting places, they're, they're, yeah. they're invasion of privacy in every neighborhood. So I also am very critical of this 2020 campaign because we did not have the $1.4 billion they had in 2020 and 2016. We had hunger, swagger, creativity, a candidate willing to go everywhere, not talk about grievances, talk about policy, a man who elevated issues like immigration and trade in, into the public consciousness and did something about it. So he just has people... Um, I, I, you know, I'm sad. To, I'm sad to, sad to see it, but I also, you know, I know I, I'm very comfortable with who I've been to him and what I've done for him yeah. over a number of years, and how he has supported me too. So. I didn't. I, I honestly, I don't think that he's, you know, that this. I didn't get the impression that uh, your relationship with him was going to be in trouble. Uh, maybe yeah, there was a disagree. Maybe there was a disagreement, but uh, I'm glad to hear that that is the case. Um, the the election. I talked to Bill Barr yesterday. I did a podcast with him that's out now. And um, in it, he said pretty much the same thing. Look, after uh, the um, after December 14th, it, it, it constitutionally, that's it. That's it. And he said, you can't build that case. And I said, so did you look into all these things? He said, yeah, I looked into all of them. He said, but. Those things have to be decided by states unless there's clear uh, fraud. And I said, you didn't think there was clear fraud? He said, not in the time that it would take to make that case and try that case. He said that that's what they should be doing now is looking at all of these things. And if they can find them and uh, and verify them, then it should go to court. But he's like, there, there was nothing you could do at that point. Do you agree with that? Right. Well, I wasn't there, but it sounds reasonable to me insofar as nothing ever happened the way he's as he describes, meaning he's saying, here's what could have been done to send it back to this state or that state. And it wasn't done. So I think the people calling the president on a daily basis who did not have access to him, who were sort of shut out of the White House or who were he didn't really rely upon them for very much in those four years. Uh, they are the ones feeding his brain. This is the day that it's going to change in Georgia. This is the day we're going to get a right. favorable court right. decision. Right. And it's not happening. So I think that December 14th was the key date. And then there were other people saying, wait, January 6th right. be a key date. And here's why. Okay. Hang on just a sec. More with Kellyanne Conway next. The Glenn Back Program. Diesel prices are through the roof. That means the price of driving trucks goes up, which means the cost of delivering food across the country goes up which means shortages, way worse than the ones we have faced so far. In fact, the world is headed towards starvation. We luckily are not um, headed towards starvation, but we are headed towards high prices. You don't have diesel. You're not putting diesel into the tractor. Um, If you haven't already prepared, please go to preparewithglenn.com today. I've made a special deal to get $150 off a three-month emergency food kit. It's long-term storage food. That's specially packaged, so it stays fresh for up to 25 years, and that means it'll be there when you you need it, God forbid. Please, uh, just for inflation and the cost of food that is around the corner, 
please prepare your family so you don't have to worry about it. Preparewithglenn.com. Go there now. Preparewithglenn.com. Those who know what's coming are uh, using today to prepare. Are you? BlazeTV.com slash Glenn is the place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. Use the promo code Glenn to save 10 bucks. This is the Glenn Beck program. There is a new book out uh, that uh, I urge you to, to get if you really want somebody who is telling you the frank truth and really it's a it's not just an inside look uh, of the last few years that we've all lived it is a look at a very powerful woman who has uh, defied the odds and has become uh, the first woman to uh, manage a successful presidential campaign so we don't hear about that uh, you know if, if she were on the left that would be everywhere but she's on the right so Um, Kellyanne Conway has the new book out called Here's the Deal. And uh, she's continuing with us uh, here for a few more minutes. And I've got so much to ask you. Maybe we can do a podcast, Kellyanne, at some point. But um, I want to make sure I cover um, the you as a woman, uh, the things you you start the book with saying, you know, uh, on paper, everything about me, I should have been very liberal uh, and a Democrat and a feminist. Um, but you you went in a different direction, but you're a very powerful woman. And when Christine Blasey Ford um, uh, was starting to go after Kavanaugh. Can you talk about that a little bit and and what happened there? Yes, it was really fascinating because, as you know, as we all should remember, Glenn, during the Kavanaugh hearings, um, the hearings were done. He had submitted himself to the Judiciary Committee. Maisie Hirono's and Kamala Harris's of the world treated us to um, a a visual of their heads because they're always looking down at reading notes other people write. I memorized the tops of their heads, Mm. the way they part their hair. (laughs) And uh, we had other questions being, I believe Lindsey Graham was the chairman of the Judiciary Committee at the time. And I had a conversation with him on the Sunday night when this story broke. And I spoke with President Trump as well, just trying to get my arms around the facts and what the process would be. And Chairman Graham at that time told me, look, we're going to give her the privacy and convenience. She can testify from California. She doesn't need to come here and make it a spectacle. She went there and made it a spectacle. But she had her day in court, as it's called. She was able to testify under oath in front of the Judiciary Committee, and so did Kavanaugh. And then there was a vote. There were dozens, I think, dozens of FBI investigations and supplemental investigations. And and fairly and squarely, he became an Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. But the Christine Blasey Ford testimony, you know, having me out there and the president wanting me to be out there at that time was critical because I famously said she won't be ignored. She won't be insulted. I knew she was going to be able to testify. And then I had blurted out that I, you know, something I would never talk about um, consciously that I had blurted out to Jake Tapper that I too had been a victim of sexual assault. I regretted that I said that. I blurted that out. Nobody really cared, did they? Because well, hang on just a second. Hang on just a sec. That was not something that was an accident that just came out totally as it was coming out of your mouth what were you thinking 
I said, oh, my, I can't believe I just said this. This is pre-taped. Can we get that out of there? But it was live TV. And he said, oh, I didn't know that. And he said, I'm so sorry for you. And I said, well, I'm just sick of uh, the, the, per- the In other words, for me, that person is responsible. Donald Trump, Glenn Beck, Brett Kavanaugh, Mickey Mouse are not responsible. In other words, it's that person. So stop making everybody responsible. And I regretted saying it because, A, it's very private. But I also, um, Jake Tapper's, I wrote in the book how he showed compassion, which is very nice of me. He said, I'm so sorry to hear that, Kelly. I've never heard you say that before. And then literally the, the next thing out of his mouth was, but you work for a guy who's been accused of. You know, in other words, it's always, but Trump is the end of the sentence. Mm-hmm. But I think in the case of Blasey Ford, she was wronged, but there's there was not enough evidence that it had been Brett Kavanaugh. And so um, I think that everybody got to see those hearings, the spectacle it became. And you know what, Glenn? I think people should realize, I wrote about this in a book, and I said this to President Trump. I had left the White House already on my own ter- terms, my own timeline, in um, late August of 2020, but I was pulled back in for debate prep. And the one thing I said to him was, don't forget, it's Joe Biden who has politicized the United States Supreme Court confirmation process. He started with Clarence Thomas. He was the chairman of the, of the committee 30 years ago, 31 years ago, when, when Thomas was, was up for the Supreme Court vacancy. And before that, you had Antonin Scalia had been confirmed something like 96 to nothing, 98 to nothing. You had Ruth Bader Ginsburg confirmed 96 to three, Glenn. And then here comes Joe Biden politicizing, and I think in a very racist way, challenging, may Mm -hmm. I, challenging uh, Clarence Thomas, who then ended up saying this is a high-tech lynching. So it's he who did that. And I, I like pointing out the conflict between Senator Biden and President Biden, because there are many. But um, look, there's no question it helped to have a female spokeswoman who's very strong-willed and very strong, show both compassion for the woman who I knew was going to testify. Let's let's hear her, and then let's hear let's hear Brett Kavanaugh, whose opening statement was one for the ages. By the way, Senator Susan Collins' um, heartfelt heartfelt explanation as to why she was going to vote in favor of Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the United States Supreme Court, go pull it up. It's as good as a Senate speech you'll ever see, her explaining why she's going to vote for him. And part of it was she was satisfied in the with the investigations and with the fact that the country and, of course, the U.S. Senate and the Judiciary Committee had had the opportunity to ask the questions. But look, Donald Trump's legacy has many great things in it. One that really stands tall, in my view, are judges. And the judges, well, the Big really time. people's judicial appointments often, many of them outlive the president himself. And what he did to the to transform the judiciary, the number of vacancies that Obama left, President Obama left for President Trump to fill were really eye-popping. And he took advantage of that and put great men and women in there who don't think the Constitution is a piece of paper town. I talk all about that in the book. I also talk about how his list of 21 judges that he would nominate to the United States Supreme Court, having that list of real men and women that you can go and research them, look at it, was determinative, particularly after the Access Hollywood tape. His pro-life promises, that list of 21 judges that he would nominate to the Supreme Court, Glenn, he was giving people receipts beforehand. And it made a big difference. Hillary did nothing of the sort. Hillary, he called her out as extremist on abortion, that, that October 19, 2016 debate. You're the extremist on abortion. You would rip that baby out of its mother's womb an hour before it's born. That, coupled with her refusing to even name a name that she would put on the Supreme Court, allowed us to, to radicalize her. Um, as we are approaching um, the midterms, I think what happened in Georgia uh, sent a message uh, that I, I would hope that the president would hear. Um, 
he's he has knocked it out of the park with all of his endorsements all over the country, except two that were very important to him, I think, personally in in Georgia. And I think because these same Republicans that voted uh, for Kemp, the the same people voted for, um, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And and I think that was a message from the Republicans. We still want fighters, but we don't want to fight over the past. Is that the message that you got? Do you think the president can hear that if he runs again, are we going to be relitigating everything of the past or will he be able to look to the future? The 2020 election is still a major feature of most of the president's communications, his TV appearances, his social media posts, um, his some of his private conversations. He he believes that he was cheated in 2020. And I think that movies like Rigged by Dave Bossie and Citizens United do lay bare some of the questions that remain and right. that we should never let happen again. I the agree. Bucks, all of that. Yep. I mean, there there are so many improvised. I think what happened in 2020, though, as I told him, was it's more a game of whack-a-mole. I said to him on the phone, this is not Bush versus Gore, Mr. President. I lived through that. It was part of that. This is not Bush versus Gore because there, that was about hanging chads in one state, really, Glenn, two or three counties mm-hmm. when you got down to it. So it's just much it's much cleaner question of law and counting the votes in 2020 after 2020 he had um opportunities and evidence of malfeasance and improprieties and i don't know if it were nine ten different states they were pursuing and i do think that we'll never know i say in the book we'll never which apparently people around him can't just read and tell him what's in there they just have to show him screaming headlines um and and so I write in the book, we'll never truly know the full story of 2020. And I don't right. understand why half the country's in console about it. And the other co- half of the country, which includes all the mainstream media, Glenn, are completely incurious about it. I know. It, so, it, 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 every American should demand that we have transparent hearings on all of that. Not to, you know, say Joe Biden is not the president or is the president. Just so it doesn't happen again. We can never have this kind of doubt Again, in our in our uh, voting That's systems. Right. Uh, and there, I think that one of the loudest voices for that, for what you just said, is Donald Trump. He is the loudest, yes. most credible voice on we can never have this happen again. And he does say that. But I think what people want is a roadmap, a blueprint of what is it that can never happen again and have like four or five specifics. And I can rattle them off. I mean, I rattle them off in my book. I, I rattle off in the book the, the questions that remain. I think Pennsylvania is a very good case study in that. And look, we, we still don't know who won the U.S. Right. Senate Republican primary there. Right. Five states can't do what Vermont, Ohio, and Florida did in 2020, Glenn. Mm-hmm. Count the damn votes that come in ahead of time. Have them ready and then add them to the day of voting and tell us that night who won. Unless yep. it's a very close race, as it seems to be in Pennsylvania, it goes to automatically. Tell us who won. Why has election day become election trimester, election season, election period? It's wedding day. It's graduation day. It's retirement day. A day is committed to something that's important to you in your life. We need to get back to that, with the exceptions, of course, for absentee voting for folks. But if I think one, one thing the president could really say, and I've told him this because he'd be a very strong, incredible voice on this, is to talk about how whatever the COVID-compelled measures were in 2020, that I do think screwed him in in many ways, but but whatever the COVID-compelled voting measures were in 2020, as I write in my book, make sure those don't become permanent. They are becoming permanent in many states. I know. Look at Illinois. It's crazy. And that's where where anything that went wrong went wrong, you know? Um, So it, it... 
is he going to run and does he have because uh, I know he has the answers. Does he have the discipline to lay out a course? America's really only going to care about the economy and their security uh, and their life, their money. You know, the irony is people are really hurting right now. The irony, the, the cruel irony is lots of the Trump voters, 74 million in 2020, record number for any sitting president by far, 12 million more than he got the first right. time. So there is enthusiasm for him, of course. Uh, they're the ones really hurting right now, Glenn. They're the ones hurting. I mean, I know a lot of America is hurting under the policies of this, uh, this, this crack up Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, man-made disaster of a White House administration. But I think if the president wants to talk about the past, he should compare the policies that he had, the accomplishments Amen. he brought forward, to what Joe Biden is doing now. It is such a simple contrast, and people are making that contrast in their everyday conversations. They're saying they're not just saying, "I think it could be better, it will be better." We're America, we're resilient. They're saying it was better not that long ago. How do we get back yeah. there? What do I need to do? So if Donald Trump wants a rematch with Joe Biden, many people would love to see that. And it would need to be on policy. And I think if he wants to talk about the elections, he should say, folks, here are the five things we have to do to make sure these 10 things never happen again. If he does that, it's gold. I'd love to see, just as I loved when his tweets were about um, that, that they had a blueprint, a roadmap, policy. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'd love to see that on his Truth Social or his next uh, TV appearance because people will listen to that and they will yes. repeat that. Yes, That's what we need from him. I mean, here's a guy who transformed American politics, and I am just thrilled. It is the honor of my older professional lifetime to have worked in the White House, to have been his campaign manager in 2016, to have had that relationship, have had this relationship for many years. But I tell you, when he took issues like immigration and trade that were mired in single digits, if at all, in the polling, and elevated them and then followed through on those in the White House, that's what we need from our presidents. That's what we need from our leaders. And we're lacking that sorely, but people are waiting for him to say that. They really are. Kellyanne Conway, the name of the book is Here's the Deal, a former um, uh, campaign, uh, is a, a former, uh, what's, the, what's the secondary line in this book? I'm sorry, Kellyanne. Uh, about me? For, you yeah. mean what my title was? No, no, no. Um, if, here's the deal. Oh, no, I don't have a secondary line. That's the, that's the elegance of it. Other people oh, have I'm to sorry. have all I these different it, names in their titles. No, no, no. I not, thought not it had a memoir just, something. Anyway. Just a memoir. Here's the deal. Yeah. I just And you know what? It's Kellyanne Conway. You can type it in. It's a great beach read. It's a great Father's Day gift. You'll want to see it. It's um, Listen, Glenn, unlike these other people who slinked away in shame or, or were forced out of the White House or fired, I didn't write a tell-all and bore most. Um, I, I'm very raw, very, uh, very vulnerable here. I don't divulge um, private, embarrassing information about other people, but I'm very candid also. I think people yeah. want to know the story behind the story and how to look forward. What happens to the 74 million Trump-Pence voters who were not in the Capitol on January 6th? What happens to those who took a chance on Joe Biden because they think, oh, he was Barack Obama's vice president yeah. and he's not Trump? Um, what happens to them? If you look at all the polls right now, there's a natural big attrition away from Joe Biden. Yep. They can go back to Trump if he runs. They'll go back to an American first candidate. Kellyanne Conway, thank you so much. I'd love to have you in for a uh, podcast. Uh, you have just have such a great look on everything past and future kellyanne conway the name of the book is here's the deal um real estate agents i trust there are decent real estate agents out there and then there are then there are the agents that come from real estate agents i trust this is my company and these people don't work for me they don't work for my company 
we go and look for the best agents in every market. I can't guarantee we have one in your town, uh, but if we do and you're looking to buy or sell a house, this is a free service. We've done the vetting for you because I was working with the 500 best real estate agents, according to the Wall Street Journal, oh, I don't know, for about five years. And I just got to know them and talking to them and, you know, how, how what what makes a good real estate agent? How do I know who to hire? We decided to make that for you so we could we could do all that work and then you can interview them yourself. Just look at realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, a free service for you. Sell your house on time for the most amount of money and get the right house at the right price. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck. Join the conversation. 888-727-BECK. This is the Glenn Beck program. So uh, it is the um, it's the weekend. I have a very, very early showing. The only one I could get into of Top Gun. Oh, nice. I'm going with my wife at like four in the afternoon. Because it's like, that's it. Otherwise, you don't see it this weekend. They think it might set the record for Memorial Day. I'm so excited for this. I am I too. Mean, and can I just ask you... Does Tom Cruise kind of piss you off a little bit? I mean, at his age, he's still one of the coolest guys alive. Yeah. And can seemingly do everything. (laughs) Okay, God, slow down on the Tom Cruise thing, will you? Just slow down. This is the Glenn Beck Program.